Today on this third Sunday of Advent, uh, the theme of our, our Mass and our prayers is the theme of rejoicing. That's what we heard in our entrance antiphon today, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, indeed the Lord is near. Uh, these words are from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. And why, why is he telling us to rejoice and be joyful? Well, it's because our Lord draws close. He comes to be near his people. In today's gospel, uh, we, again, we're meditating on the figure of John the Baptist. And uh, there's a dialogue that's happened between, happening between John and, and the religious authorities of his time. So first there comes some of the, the Jewish priests to ask him questions. And then some of the Pharisees uh, who are, um, I guess, known as the really devoutly religious people of, of Jesus' time. Some of them also come to ask John the Baptist some questions. John the Baptist was creating quite a stir uh, because many people were going to him from the Judean countryside and, and even from the city of Jerusalem going out to be baptized by him and to confess their sins to him. So he was creating quite a stir. So the, the Jewish authorities wanted to know, like, what's going on and who is this guy? And also to ask the question, well, is he, is he the one we've been waiting for? Is he the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one? So ultimately, John the Baptist tells them that he's not the Christ. He's not Elijah come back from the dead. He's not the prophet foretold by Moses. But instead, he says, there is one among you whom you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me. There's one among you whom you do not recognize. And I, this, uh, this disturbs me, <laughs> this, this statement to these uh, religious authorities, these religious people. And John the Baptist says to them, there's one among you whom you do not recognize, the one who's coming after me. Uh, so this disturbs us. Because the very one whom those religious people are seeking is right there, and they do not recognize him. I can't really imagine a more tragic accusation. If we think about who these people are, the Jewish priests and the Pharisees, these are very religious people who are spending a great amount of time studying the scriptures following the law, teaching to lo the law to others, and that despite everything religious they were doing, God was walking among them, and they did not see him. God was with them, and they did not recognize him. So it seems like all of the energy that they were putting towards religious matters was a waste of time. If after all their time and effort, they could not even recognize the one that they were studying, the one that they were attempting to teach and follow. So, I mean, this indictment of these Jewish religious people um, 
of the, the religious authorities, at least, it hits home for me because as a priest, I've devoted my own life to seeking God. And what a tragedy if after all this time and energy and money the diocese spent on my seminary formation, a lot of money, that if after years of study, teaching, ministry, what if God was right under my nose and I didn't see him and I didn't recognize him? It would, gosh, it would make us question if all of the work I had done studying were spent in vain. If I can't even recognize the one that I'm supposedly trying to get to know. So we have to ask, what did the Pharisees get wrong? What did those Jewish priests get wrong? And we also have to recognize it was there were many faithful Jewish people who did recognize him. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, faithful Jew, knew God when he came to her. Uh, the apostles who were Jews, when Jesus came to them to call them, they left everything behind. They left their, what they were doing as a career. In some cases, they left their families, and they followed Jesus. So there are plenty of people. We see them all over the gospel. Faithful people recognize Jesus. We're not talking about something that's impossible. It's not impossible to recognize God when he walks among us. Many did. But what concerns me and disturbs us is that some of these people who did not recognize Jesus, who did not recognize God walking among them, were the very people who were, who were supposedly the most religious, who had spent the most time and effort studying, teaching, practicing, following. What went wrong? We have to ask that question. What did the Pharisees get wrong? So Jesus, in his many confrontations in the Gospels with different Pharisees, scribes, Jewish priests, he makes this very clear that these ones that he's criticizing among the Jewish religious authority were very concerned about external religious practice, following the rules and making sure that everyone else knew that they followed the rules. But Jesus' criticism was not that they followed the rules, but that while they were following the law externally, their own hearts, the deepest center of their being was not conformed to that law that they were following on the outside. And so Jesus' criticism was that they lacked love and they lacked mercy. A great example of this is actually how in some of Jesus' confrontations with the Pharisees, the reason that they were upset with him and, and accusing him even of blasphemy is because he would heal people on the Sabbath. And so one example is Jesus walks into the synagogue. There's a man whose hand is so withered up he's not able to use it, doesn't have a functioning hand. Jesus looks with him at, with pity, with mercy. And there are Jewish religious authorities there watching him to see what he's going to do. So with eyes full of tender love and mercy and compassion for this suffering person, 
Jesus tells the man to stretch out his hand, and a miracle is performed right there in front of everyone. The, man, the man's hand is suddenly free of that crippling disease that had rendered it useless. And what did the scribes and Pharisees say? They said, you did work on a Sabbath. You violated God's law. And what is Jesus' message to the Pharisees and scribes? He says, if you think that it violates God's law to perform an act of love and mercy, then you have not understood what you are trying to follow. You actually do not know the one who gave these laws in the first place. So, so the question that's been preoccupying me lately is, is this very question, how can I, how can I recognize Jesus when he comes into my life? And I have to ask this as a pastor as well, how can we as God's family make sure we can recognize Jesus when he comes among us? So there are a lot of places that we could go or, or possible answers to these questions. But I, I think the place that we have to start with is how can I make sure I recognize Jesus where he is most truly present? How can I be so attuned to God, not just in my head like the Pharisees, but in my heart like Jesus and the ones who recognize Jesus, so that when Jesus is, makes himself truly present, I will recognize him there. And where does our faith teach us that Jesus is most truly present among us? Well, it's in the Blessed Sacrament. It's in, it's in the Eucharist that Jesus gives us. Not a symbol of him, but him himself, him who has come among us. I had a really amazing experience a couple days ago. I had the, the great privilege of, of uh, being able to celebrate Mass uh, with, with a Carmelite community on the other side of St. Paul and Lake Elmo. They're a group of cloistered sisters, 14 of them. And, uh, and there were Carmelite priests who were celebrating the Mass, and I was just able to be there celebrating with them. They had invited me on Thursday because it was a feast day for them. St. John of the Cross, who's one of the co-founders of their, their religious order. And so it was a very solemn Mass. And uh, it was a very interesting experience. The Mass lasted one hour and 40 minutes. And, and some, I was telling this to somebody, and they were, they were saying, well, what did, what did they add to the Mass? And I said, they didn't add anything. It was, it was like a Sunday Mass. I mean, there were readings and a homily and Eucharistic prayer, petitions. Uh, but what, what made the Mass so long was was the, the chanting that they did. It was the silence. It was the pace at which they prayed the prayers, the priest, but also the sisters with him. And, um, and to be honest, it, it, that it wasn't really, it wasn't, I, I mean, I, I found it prayerful and peaceful. It also wasn't really my cup of tea in the sense that like, I didn't love the chanting. Um, I didn't love the pace, 
Uh, but I had a very powerful experience, though, when it came time to, uh, to receive Jesus. Uh, so I approached the altar and, and took the host into my hands uh, right before the reception of Holy Communion. And when I looked at the host, I knew it was Jesus. I recognized him there. And it wasn't just, I knew, I knew it was him because I, I've studied the catechism and that's what the church says, but it was like I knew him with all of my being and I could really see him and recognize him. And, and it was an emotional experience for me. Tears came to my eyes. I was deeply moved uh, to, to see Jesus and then to consume him in the Eucharist, to not only have him in my hand, but to have him in my body and in my heart. And since I had that experience, I've been reflecting on what, what it was that day that helped me to recognize Jesus, because I celebrate Mass every day, but I very rarely have an experience like that. I know it's Jesus with my head, but often I don't really feel that it's, it's Jesus. Or I, I mean, I know it is, but I don't, I don't have the feelings that accompany the recognition of him. And, and I think it was because of how reverently the Mass was celebrated, which I, didn't even, I wasn't even that into at the time, but reflecting back, it was the reverence, the silence, the, the chanting, that really led me to, to the point of receiving communion. And because of the way that the Mass was celebrated with reverence, silence, the reception of Holy Communion became truly the high point of the whole liturgy. It was like everything that was happening from the readings to the homily to the Eucharistic prayer was leading to this apex in the, in the liturgy, which was the reception of Holy Communion. And I felt that. I felt it with all of my being. And it, it's made me reflect on a couple things. First of all, how can I, as Father Matthew, <laughs> make sure that I'm preparing myself for Mass and celebrating the Mass in such a way that I'll recognize Jesus when he comes. But as pastor, I have to ask the question, how can we as God's family celebrate the Mass in such a way that we, that not just the priests, but all of the people will be able to recognize the reception of Holy Communion as the very reason that we're here and the high point, actually, of my week, of my life, that encounter with Jesus, because I recognize him there, and I know it's really him. I'd really like us to be reflecting on this. How can we, as God's family, enter into the Mass, prepare ourselves for the Mass, and how can, a, how can we, as a parish, celebrate the Mass in such a way that we're led right up to that point of Holy Communion, which becomes the most important part of the Mass, and also the most important part of my, my life. May we, may we rejoice today in God's love for us, that his love and mercy is so great that he sends us his son Jesus, and as Jesus comes to us anew today at this altar, Please, God, let us have the grace to recognize you there.